John Bartimaeus. He was a beggar. He was one of those guys you sit, see at the street corner begging for food. Um, God has always used Harvest Point to stretch me, to teach me. And I've got to admit, sometimes I, I was a little stubborn. Sometimes I was a little resistant to what he wanted to do in my life. And, and it's kind of like y'all have heard the old saying, or to, uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's not exactly true. It's just when we get older, sometimes we get hardening of the pottery. Um, you know, God says we're to be... <laughs> I know those pictures of all the people we've ministered to. I mean, all of it is just, he touches my heart, you know. But God says we're to be potter, we're to be clay in his hands. And he's always molding us and he's shaping us into new vessels and he wants to use us in mighty ways. The problem is when we get hardened, you know, in that shape and we're not willing to change and grow and learn. Sometimes he has to crush that pottery so he can shape us into what he needs at that time. And I, I admit I've gone through several of those times. One of the things that I remember God did is when we worked at Harvest Point with a homeless ministry. Do y'all still go downtown Atlanta? Not as much sometimes, yeah. Um, but I, I had it all figured out as far as the homeless, you know, these beggars, you know, they just alcoholics, they're just drug addicts, they just need to get a job. I had, all, I had it all figured out until I met them. Until I went down to downtown Atlanta. Some of y'all might remember going to Coca-Cola Park. Uh, by the way, Reuben is still there. Do y'all remember Reuben? Uh, Reuben was the guy who talked like this. You barely understand him. But he's still there. When I would take some courses up at Emory, I'd go down to, to the park and see him. But, uh, but a lot of those people were mentally ill. I'd say 50 to 60% of them could not help it. And they needed our help. And Jesus wants us as people of his kingdom to look at others through his eyes, to see them like he sees them. And that's what we want to look at today, how Jesus looks at people and how Jesus sees people and how he wants us to see others around us. He, Stephen's doing a series on, I don't even know what you call it, something about nobodies. <laughs> The gospel to, of the nobodies. Okay. The gospel of the nobodies. And when I first heard of that, I thought, well, that's kind of offensive, you know? <laughs> Calling people nobodies. But what he's saying, I think a lot of us were like me, like I was. That we just pass by people and we, we don't really see them. We, we don't really see them through his eyes. And through the kingdom of God, these nobodies become somebody. And today what we're going to look at is a story of Jesus' ministry and a guy named Bartimaeus. And he was one of those guys. He was sitting by the road and he became a beggar. So 
That, that's the passage that we want to look at. If you would turn with me in your Bible, Luke chapter 18. We'll read it. I'm, I don't know what translation most of y'all use. Um, I've got new American Standard. So it may be a little bit different. Uh, Luke chapter 18, we'll start reading in verse 35. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he... But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped, and he commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came to him, he questioned him. And he said, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him glorifying God when all the people saw it they gave praise to God let's pray our gracious Lord I do pray that you would stretch us when we've gotten hardened I pray that you'd crush us but Lord make us to see others through your eyes help us to love others as you love them Lord, draw us closer to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I need a handkerchief. My name is Bartimaeus. I was born blind. I was blind since birth. And early on, I was put out in the streets. I would 
bump against walls and fall down, find my way to where I was told the marketplace was, where they sold food. And every day, I would beg, can you help me? Please, could you give me some food? This was my life, my whole entire life. I couldn't see, it was black inside. And I would beg for food every day. Please, please, can you spare some food? This was my life. I was an outcast. I didn't belong. I was what they called nobody. I didn't, I didn't matter. I didn't matter at all. One day, one day, I was near the gates of Jericho and I could sense that this day was, was different. There, there was something, there was excitement in the crowd and, and the crowd was speaking loudly and, and they were walking faster than, than, than every other day where they used to just shuffle by. And then I said, what, what is it? What, what is it? What is it? Is it? Is it him? Is it the teacher? Is, is, it, is it him? And, and someone in the crowd pushed me and shoved me and said, be quiet, be quiet, go away. And I, and I fell down and the crowd was rushing away and I crawled. I crawled to the edge of the crowd and then I heard somebody say, it's him, it's him. It's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. I don't, I don't remember. I don't know what overcame me. But I crawled to the edge of the crowd and I yelled, I cried. I said, Lord, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, please. And suddenly, somebody picked me up, stood me up, and pulled me through the crowd. And they brought me to him. Him. And in, in a strong, powerful, yet such a, a gentle voice, he said to me, 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 a nobody, he said to me, what would you have me do for 
you. You. I said, Lord, I just want to see. All I want is to see, Lord. And he said, my son. He called me my son. Today, your faith has healed you. And suddenly, suddenly, my darkness, my darkness was full of light. And the very first person I saw was Jesus, was Jesus. I followed him that day. I followed him out the gates of Jericho on the way to Jerusalem. I followed him the next day and the next day and the next. And everyone I saw, I said, this is the Messiah. This is the Lord. This is Jesus. And they knowing what he had done for me and for so many others with healings, they followed him and they started to believe that he could heal them too. And he did. Countless numbers of people he healed. And he turned not one of them, not one of them away. He did a great job with that, didn't he? You know, in our society, a lot of times we do divide people up. We put categories, we put names on people. And Jesus warned us against that. Uh, against putting names on people. You put names on people, you put them in this category, this pigeonhole, Sometimes it's hard for them to break out of it. I remember, especially in high school, we had the haves and the had-not, the ones that grew up and they were kind of middle class and they wore the nice clothes and those that, you know, just didn't have as much and some that were not as athletic, some that were not as popular. And we just put names and categories on, on people. And uh, in this series, uh, it's on... Um, let me see what it's on again. <laughs> the Gospel of the Nobodies. I have a difficult time with that. Like I said, that, that title's kind of just offensive. That, like, calling people nobodies, it's, 
But you know, people feel that way sometimes, and I think sometimes we really treat them that way sometimes. And I think Bartimaeus felt that way. I don't think Bartimaeus was always blind because when he talked to Jesus, he, and he, he said, what do you want? He said, I want to see again. Apparently, Bartimaeus had been able to see at one point, and, and he had lost his vision, and he wanted to be able to see again. Some things we see about Bartimaeus in this passage. Uh, let me give you a little bit of the context. This was right before the triumphal entry. Jesus, you know, had been ministering up in the Sea of Galilee area, Capernaum, uh, up north, and every year he would travel down, as all of the rabbis did at the time, they traveled down to Jerusalem for the Passover. He was on his way, making his way down to, the, to Jerusalem for the Passover, and when that would happen, all of these little towns would get so excited when one of the rabbis would come through town. And as Jesus was coming through the little towns, he was, came to this town called Jericho. In this town of Jericho, sitting by the road, was this guy. In uh, Matthew, it says there were two uh, blind people there sitting by the road. Doesn't give either one of their names. In Mark, it, it, it just mentions Bartimaeus, but it does give his name as Bartimaeus. Here in Luke... He just says a blind beggar was sitting by the road. He was nameless. For most of the people, he was invisible. It says, he was sitting by the road begging, and the crowd was going by. How many times have we just gone by people and not even noticed them? We just passed them by. He was invisible. They got to the point they no longer even saw him. He was invisible. Um, but he was pretty bold. It says, and he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was criticized. The, the ones that were in power, the ones that were leading the way, the religious leaders, the, the leaders, told him, would you be quiet? It says they sternly rebuked him. They sternly got on his case. But he still crawled out all the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have you ever felt like that? I think some of us have felt that way. We felt invisible. We felt uh, nameless. I've got confession time. I have a hard time remembering names. If I've forgotten your name, please forgive me. But I, some of us, some of some of us have a great memory, and that's not me. Some of us can't remember very much, but we can figure things out pretty good. Uh, how many of y'all are real good at math in school? Any people real good in math? How, is, how were you in history? Usually you're either real good at math, figuring things out, and not very good at history, remembering things, or you're, you can remember everything, good in history, but not real good in math. Well, I was great in math. I loved math, but I could not remember anything. <laughs> I had a difficult time with names. So I apologize if, if, I, if I can't remember your name. But Bartimaeus was that way. He, he was uh, invisible to a lot of people. He was a beggar. He had lost his sight. He could no longer work. I want you to... Try something right now. I want you to close your eyes, if you would. Just close your eyes. 
And I want you to pretend you're blind. Just close your eyes. Pretend you're blind. You cannot see colors. You cannot see your friends. You can really no longer work. Imagine what it would be like to be blind. You're, because you can't work, you've got to sit by the road and beg. How humiliating to have to sit by the road and beg. But then you hear, Jesus is coming to town. Keep your eyes closed, if you would. And Jesus is in this place. When he touches you and he says, receive your sight, your faith has made you whole, then you can open your eyes and you can regain your sight. If you would keep your eyes closed and Jesus is coming around, some of you are going to receive your sight. But I'm afraid we're not going to have time for Jesus to go to everybody in here. Some of you are going to remain blind. Now, I hope this church has real good insurance because I want you to keep your eyes closed and you can go find Jesus. Now, if you're over 55, you may need to get somebody to help you because our bones are, are a little more fragile than they were when we were younger. But, Okay, now a few of you have your, your sight. I want us to try something a little bit different now. Everybody close your eyes. And what I want you to do is when Jesus touches you and says, receive your sight, your faith has made you whole, then you get your sight, but he also imparts to you that power. I want you to turn to other people as fast as you can and say to them, receive your sight. Your faith has made you whole. And as soon as, as, as Jesus does that, turn to, to another and we'll see how fast. Turn to others and tell them, receive your sight. Your faith has made you whole. If you have not received your sight or sight yet, raise your hand. I think everybody may have. Okay. Some of us, some of us have a very passive faith. 
And we expect Jesus to, to do everything without us. We expect Him to heal people. We expect Him to save people. We expect Him to draw others unto Himself. But it's very passive. The reality is only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can heal. But He wants to use you and He wants to use me to be His hands and His feet, His instrument so that He can bring life to those around us that have no hope. To bring hope to those that feel hopeless. To bring meaning to those that feel that life is meaningless. God wants us to use you and me. Now what's coming up in about, what is it, three weeks? Easter. So if you're expecting Stephen to fill this place up and invite everybody to church, or Jesus, <laughs> without your help, we're not going to reach many people, are we? But if we realize that Jesus is calling us to be His hands and feet, and we invite people to Him, we'll be able to fill this place up in no time. God wants to use every one of us. He wants us to be His hands and feet. Now, let me tell you a little bit about um, some of the ways he's done that in my, my life lately. Um, we had a guy, um, we had a guy that uh, was in prison. We, we were active. Are any of y'all active with Kairos Prison Ministry? You are! Yay! <laughs> Um, we've been serving with Kairos Prison Ministry down at our church. We go into Burris Prison. And we, just two weeks ago, we were in the prison. And what we do is we do a three-day weekend. We go in on Thursday night. We get, just kind of get to know them. We get introduced. And, and uh, we have about 32 people from the outside that come inside the jail. And then we have about 42 on the inside that are participants in it. And... and during that time, one of, on Saturday, we have a time when we invite people to come to Jesus. And we had this one guy, and I don't, we never know what they're in there for, but I can tell you this. On Sunday, he gave his testimony, and he said, I've been in here for three years now. Every night when I would go and I would lay in my cot, I would think about the man that betrayed me. And I thought, think about how I could get back at him. I, I would think about, okay, when I get out of here, he was going to have the guy killed. And he was going to have this guy just, it, he was going to try to figure out a way to make it look like it was an accident. But he was going to get back at the guy that betrayed him and in his mind put him in jail. Every night for three years, he would lay in bed just steaming fuming and thinking about that and just chewing on it and just angry and hostile. And he gave up, got up on Sunday afternoon and he was giving his, giving his testimony and said, every night I've been doing that. And yesterday, when I came to Jesus, I let it go. And I laid in bed and went right to sleep. And I let it go. 
I was able to forgive him because I've been forgiven. This message that we've got, this gospel message, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and we can be forgiven, it sets us free. And this guy was set free. And in Kairos and Awesome Ministry, it really, really is cool. We, we've had, we've planted a church basically in Burris Prison. We've had over 200 men that have gone through this, this and they've come to the Lord. The exciting thing about it is seeing their lives change. We had this one guy that was sitting beside me. This was about four years ago. You would not believe how some of these people around us, I mean, in the communities around us, you would not believe how they were raised. You would not believe how, what they have gone through. And this is kind of gross. It's not kind of gross. It's really gross. <laughs> this guy told me, this was after he came to the Lord and after he it was changed. I mean, he, you, you could see the change. He said, when I was born, when I was little, my family passed me around to the family members to use as a sex toy. He was very effeminate. He was abused in the jail too. He had been abused all of his life. I'm sorry. But when he came to the Lord, he was changed. He was set free. He, uh, he no longer had that problem. He was just totally set free. And he was forgiven. And his voice changed. His appearance changed. Everything about him changed. Jesus can do that for folks. They need Jesus. Like we were saying earlier, Jesus is the only one that can change a life. But he wants to use you and he wants to use me as his instruments. You know, a lot of times we go through church and it's still about us. It's still about focused on the kingdom of Keith. You know, it's like I want to, to, to build my friends. I want to get to know people and it's all about me. But the kingdom of God is so totally different than that. The kingdom of God sees other people like God sees them. And these people that in the kingdom of Keith, they not, might not be anybody. In the kingdom of God, they are valuable. In the kingdom of God, they are so precious that Jesus was willing to give his life on the cross that they might be redeemed, that they might be bought back that their life might be changed and transformed. You know, when we think about it, like I was saying earlier in high school, we put all these people in different categories. We've all got different gifts. We've all got different strengths. We've got things that we're good at. In the kingdom of God, the person that is a good encourager is just as important as the song leader. The person that's a good welcomer is just as important as the preacher. We've all got gifts. We are all important. There are no nobodies. We're all somebodies. Any of y'all like Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah. Chronicles of Narnia. In Narnia, what are they? What, what are the children? They're princes and, and, and princesses. They're children of the king. And that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we're all important. We're all somebody. And Bartimaeus, 
I want you to notice something about how he was transformed. He, 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 <laughs> he was kind of a bold guy. You know, they were telling him, would you be quiet? They were sternly rebuking him. And, and, and that's the kingdom of them. You know, they were more concerned about them than they were about people. And we, I'm afraid sometime in church we might get that way. You know, we've got a new building. Y'all got a new building here. And kids may be running around and maybe spilling something. And make sure you don't think so much about the kingdom of the building as the kingdom of God. We don't, they don't need to be sternly rebuked. They need to be lovingly encouraged. Um, but, but anyway, it is hard, let me just say this. It is hard for me to preach without notes. At my church, I've got a pulpit, and that's my safety net. I am here in front of you naked. <laughs> I, I, uh, I mean, it is hard. <laughs> I, I did bring my notes. <laughs> but if I'm scattered all over the place, forgive me. Forgive me. But anyway, the kingdom of, of God recognizes the value of everybody, that everybody is a somebody in the kingdom of God. And that's the main message I want you to see. But Bartimaeus, he had a boldness about him. You know, when they were telling him to be quiet, he just yelled louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He had that boldness about him. He had faith. Now, why in the world would he do that if he didn't have faith, if he didn't realize that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus had the power to do it? He had faith. He knew who Jesus was and he trusted him. So he had faith, he had boldness, um, he had hope, he had hope. I will be able to see again if I can just get Jesus to touch me. And Jesus saw beyond the outward appearance. And so many times we look at the outward appearance, we would just see a beggar sitting there by the road. And what would we think like I did years ago? Uh, this is on fault, he just needs to get a job. He just needs to do what he can do, you know, would judge him. That's the kingdom of me. The kingdom of God says he is valuable. He's a precious treasure that Jesus is willing to die for. And he looked beyond the outward appearance and he saw that heart. He saw that faith. He saw that hope. He saw that heart, that boldness that was willing to face rejection in order to get help. And what did Jesus do? Jesus said... Tell him to come to me. Tell him to come to me. And I think that's what Jesus wants us to do now, is we want to invite people to come to him. Invite them to church. Invite them to Jesus. Invite them to come to him. They need Jesus. These people around us are without hope a lot of times. Down in Forsyth, it's a small town. I mean, it's the smallest town I've ever lived in. Um... I grew up in Clayton County. Clayton County, uh, the population, last I looked, was around 300,000 people. Henry County's what, around 200,000? Does anybody know? The population of Monroe County is about 26,000. The little town that we're in, Forsyth, the population is around 4,000. It's Mayberry, guys. 
I mean, everybody knows everybody's business. Everybody knows you. Can, the kids. One great. It's a great place to raise children. They can't get away with anything, because everybody knows everybody, and they tell everybody else. Everybody's related down there. I mean, you never say anything about anybody because they're probably this other person's cousin. People go back. Their roots are way, 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 way deep. We've got a couple of families in our church, the Freemans. They own the whole, pretty much the north end of the county. Their family inherited that land from the original land grant from the Indians. I mean, they really, they go back that far. They're, it's not as transient. People will get there and they stay there, but I have no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> but it was different. It is, is, it's, it's different. But anyway, what I wanted to... <laughs> but he had a boldness about him, Bartimaeus did. And that, Jericho was kind of like that. It was a small town. Everybody knew everybody else's business. Uh, everybody knew everybody. And those people probably walked past him day after day after day and just no longer even saw him. And there are people around us that are like that. There are people around us that, that feel like I'm not important. I have no value to society. And they need Jesus. They need to become a part of the kingdom of God. And so many of us, so many times, we go through the motions of church, but it's really about us. God has so much more for us. When we truly follow Him, and when we truly start to see other people the way God sees us, other people, and we start ministering to others the way Jesus ministered to others. Do, do y'all remember Randy Lord? Y'all, some of y'all older folks do. Randy and I became good buddies. He was in our small group. And Donna, you need to warn people before you show pictures like that. It just <laughs> choked me up, you know, just thinking of those people that we had ministered with and had become so, such a part of their life. Uh, but Randy played the guitar and, and we worshipped we, we were in the worship team together and we played the guitar together and, but Randy and Meredith recently have adopted a baby Did y'all seen that? Y'all know that they've recently adopted a baby there's a guy named Russell Moore and, and he tells this story and I'm going to have to read some of it um, but he and his wife Maria went to Russia and they adopted a couple of boys from Russia. They were in an orphanage in Russia. And here's what he says. When my wife Maria and I at long last received the call that the legal process was over, we returned to Russia to pick up our new sons. We found that their, tra their transition from orphanage to family was more difficult than we had supposed. We dressed the boys in outfits our parents had bought for them. We nodded our thanks to the orphanage personnel and walked out into the sunlight to the terror of the two boys. They'd never seen the sun. They'd never felt the wind. 
they had never heard the, car, the sound of a car door slamming or the sensation of being carried along at highway speeds down the road. He says, I noticed that they were shaking. And as we were in the car going down the road, they were reaching back to the orphanage, to what was comfortable, to what they had known. He said, I, I whispered to Sergey, who's now called Timothy. And he said, Timothy, that place is a pit. If you only knew what's waiting for you, a home with a mommy and daddy who love you, grandparents and great-grandparents and cousins and playmates and McDonald's Happy Meals. If you only knew what is ahead of you, you wouldn't be reaching back to that orphanage. But all they knew was that orphanage. It was squalid. But they, they really had no other reference point. That was all that they knew. It was their home. He said, we knew that the boys had acclimated to our home, that they trusted us when they stopped sliding food under their high chairs. When they stopped hiding food, they knew there would be another meal coming. And they wouldn't have to fight for the scraps. This was becoming to them the new normal. He said, now they're thoroughly Americanized, uh, perhaps too much so. They're able to recognize the sound of a microwave uh, ding from 40 yards away. But he says, I still remember those little hands reaching back for the orphanage. And he says, and I see myself there. You know, likewise, our Heavenly Father whispers to us, that place you were at is the pit compared to what I've got for you. That kingdom of self is meaningless compared to the kingdom of God. That place that you were at is the pit compared to what I've got for you. You know, we may feel like nobodies. We may feel like our life doesn't mean much. But with Jesus Christ living in and through us, life gains new meaning like we could never imagine. We have new purpose. We have new meaning. I was talking a little bit about Forsyth earlier. It's a small town. But in the last few years, we've had five, five very prestigious somebodies commit suicide. Five. These were movers and shakers, but they lost hope. They felt like a nobody. We've got a lot to do, guys. There's a lot of people around us in our midst.
that are without hope and without life. They need this message of Jesus Christ. They need hope. They need life. They need a relationship with God. And what God is calling us to do is to lay down this kingdom of self and to welcome the kingdom of God. Allow God to rule and reign in our hearts. And we just say yes to God when He calls us. And we can experience freedom like we've never experienced in this life. We can experience joy and peace like we never thought possible. It is all through Jesus. He's the source. But He can use you to give that life to others. But you've got to say yes. You've got to say yes to Him. And He'll use you. He will transform your heart, your life, and He will use you to transform others. Yesterday we were eating at a Wendy's. And I don't know how she does it. Um, pardon me, I'm sorry. Got the Microsoft. <laughs> I don't know how she does it, but my wife, strangers will come up to her and they'll just pour her heart, their heart out to her. I mean, we're in a grocery store. I go in the grocery store. I get what I want. I'm walking out. We go in the grocery store and somebody will come up to Lou and they'll just start sharing their whole life and pouring out their heart to her. She's just that kind of person. And we see people healed. We had a girl there at, at Wendy's yesterday and she had had a horrible day. You could see it all over her. I went to the bathroom. I came back and Lou said, oh, she poured out her heart to me. <laughs> all I had to do was leave. <laughs> but she said, my boss is terrible. She always discourages me. She never has an encouraging word. She even talks about the customer. She said, why don't they cook at home? There are people out there that, are, that need this message, that need the love of God. We have the cure. But we've got to allow Jesus to shine through us. You know, right now in our churches, the Methodist churches, they're making appointments, you know. And everybody's on, on pins and needles. Am I going to be reappointed? Am I going to be moved? And all that stuff. My church, you know, and every year you say, okay, do you want him to stay? Do you want to go? Every, and my church says, I don't really care if Keith comes or goes, but we want Lou to stay. <laughs> but that's the way it is, folks. All you've got to do is allow Jesus to work in and through you. And the kingdom of God will spread like wildfire. People will be set free they will experience this joy and peace that only Jesus can give. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord, I do pray that you would help us to lay down this kingdom of self and help us to surrender to you in your kingdom. Help us to allow you to rule and reign in our hearts so that we can be set free. Father, I thank you for your love. 
I thank you for your son who gave his life that we could have life. But it doesn't stop there. He lives in us and through us. Lord, I pray that you'd be with everyone here. I pray that you would help us to lay down self. Help us not just to be church people, but Christ followers as Bartimaeus became. We thank you for what you've done in our life, what you continue to do to make us more like you. Now, Father, I do pray that you would take this offering and like you did with the loaves and the fishes, Lord, that you would take it and you would multiply it for the furtherance of your kingdom around this globe. For it's in your precious Son's name we pray. Amen.